speak English? How far is it to Camp Crystal Lake? Well, that's where we're going. Yeah, it's a long walk. Yeah, okay. Okay, give me the directions. Here, wait, wait. All right, the old North Road. And then look for a Dairy Queen. <laughs> Dude, we are way the fuck off. No, we're not. Yes. Actually, no, we're not. Not everything shows up on GPS, Richie. Do you have any idea where we are, Sean? Come on, man. I made it so can you, huh? How much further to the lake? We would have been there already if some people didn't have to go to the bathroom every five minutes. You're gonna get it, bitch. Oh, lighten up, demon. You'll feel a lot better after you shit. <laughs> I feel a lot better when I'm out of here. Guys, look. We're almost there. Stop, everybody out. Welcome to The Last Theater on the Left. My name is Chris. And my name is Joey. And we've made it to the end of the journey, the long journey. This is night 13 of The Last Theater on the Left's marathon of Friday the 13th episodes that you can find on cnjradio.com you know when we started off with this chris a lot of people said we were crazy but when you've had a dream for as long as we've had right. you'll do anything yes there are lots of dreams in this series as well so it is fitting that we begin this episode with a dream sequence of sorts yes but yes so and in in our dreams we always rank things and that's going to be a lot of what this episode is we have lots of lists thanks to the list master the host of rock strikes 10 Whoa. joey Whoa. over here he has lots of lists for us, but I have a list of my own as well. We're doing the rankings of the movies in all sorts of different ways. Yes. So, yeah. And we'll talk about a few more things that really we didn't have time to talk about on the different entries. And this is more of a overall discussion on some of the themes. Yeah. So there's going to be a little bit of our analysis in addition to all these fun lists. So we'll just kind of spread everything out here. Sure. Let's start off with a list, though, Chris, because we got a ton of them. All right. So why don't we do the what is now kind of an industry standard? Yeah. So much so that it's glommed onto my Flickster app over the last few years. Right. The Rotten Tomatoes critics list. Yeah. Now there's two different lists that you can get on the Flickster. This is not brought to you by Flickster, but <laughs> it's it's a nice app. I'll give them a little. Yeah, it's fine. They need my help, of course. I like it. So. There's the critics list versus the popcorn list, as I like to call it, which is the fans. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously going to be a difference in what fans like versus what critics like. So I broke the numbers down for you, and now I actually don't even know the order. I just kind (laughs) of had the numbers there. You just read them off to me, and I have them listed, ranked in order. So Um, start off with the Rotten Tomatoes critics list, and what percentage they are. Sure. At the very bottom, number 12 out of 12... With 8% of the critics saying, yeah, I'll give this a fresh tomato, it is Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Deserved. It's, yeah, I'm not to give anything away on my list, but it might be pretty close to that. Yeah. It's not a good movie, and it reflects. And doesn't the explanation in Crystal Lake Memories only further yeah. the fact of why this movie deserves to be in the place right. it is on list similar to this which may or may not include ours but when you see the guy that's responsible for this movie basically saying well we thought about it and talked about why this is this or like a good for instance is how does jason get to manhattan they're like 
Uh, we'll just let the people figure it out. I hate... I Man, that bugged me so much. It's one of those things where... So online, there's this thing where people, in general, have this affinity for pointing out plot holes in movies. I'm doing the finger quotes right yeah. now. Plot holes. I remember an old site called The Nitpickers. I don't know if it's yeah. still around, but that was a big deal. Uh, like in the early 2000s. Yeah. And for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for most people online that don't know what they're talking about, a plot hole is something that's not explained. And that's not what a plot hole is. That is just something that isn't explained. But to the dorks like them, yeah, they are. <laughs> but to this guy, to Rob Hedden, is the director of Part 8, there's some stuff that just doesn't make sense. And that is a plot hole and his response to something like that where hey how did this ship get to new york hey how did jason get from the boat where we saw him on it two days later he is at the harbor in new york exactly where these other people are after they've been rowing for a full day his explanation or his excuse is well these movies don't make sense anyway so we didn't feel the need to explain it I don't like that at all, because these movies do make sense. They should make sense. And it's that kind of attitude that I would expect from general audiences who don't like horror and who look down on it. Yeah, like I would expect Leonard Malton to say something like that, because he doesn't have a vested interest in Friday the 13th being good. Right. And he even has said multiple times, mostly I'm referencing Douglas movies here, but he's like... These movies don't need me to go see them. Right. But at least he's freaking honest about it. And yeah. he's not trying to hide behind any other kind of syntax other than that. Sure. <laughs> and so part of the mission statement of my wanting to make this side in these podcasts and talk about these types of movies is to explain that, yes, these movies do make sense. These do have value. There is a artistry to them. And this director is basically saying, no, there isn't. Yeah. They're, they're, they're garbage, and I don't care if I put garbage on the screen because garbage is what you want, and here it is. Yeah. That's what this guy said, and so that's yeah. why it deserves to be at the bottom here. Yeah, that's why I was like saying the difference between him and a guy like Tom McLaughlin, who comes off very well yeah. in all of his explanations because he wants his shit to make sense. Right. And every execution that he had, whether or not people actually dig part six or not, yeah. they at least have to hand the fact to him that... He got from point A to point B every single damn time. And there was a reason and there was history behind the decisions that he made for that movie. Yeah. Anyway. I would have him. He deserves to be a guest on this show. Yeah. Not so much the other guy. Right. That guy. (laughs) And I'm saying it. This is my quote. You're a hack, sir. You are a hack. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, I, that, so that, was, that was building up in me. I, we're not yeah. going to go on every movie like this, or this episode is going to be like 10 hours long. It's going to be as long as the Crystal Lake Memories yeah. documentary. But that was the, which is half a day. Um, yeah. That was number 12 on the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I feel better now. Oh, I feel like and, I can continue after getting that out. And I want to get something else off okay. my chest before we move on, since we're talking about part eight, because I want to talk about part eight. We'll talk not about anymore. it a few more times. Maybe so, but. I had pondered out loud when we were talking about part five during the uh, the axe murdering scene on Joey. Yeah. No relation. Right. But was that the only civilian on civilian crime in the series? And, yeah. and then actually in part eight, when uh, the the AV guy accidentally kills that one guy. Yeah. That's, I think that's the only other time. Yeah. Wasn't that your favorite kill? Didn't yeah. Because, because I, yeah, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned it, but I mentioned it very briefly. I just wanted yeah. to bring it to light that right. yes, 
There were two. There were a couple, yeah. So in case you only listened to five in this one, right. <laughs> there were two. We did bring that full circle. We did, yeah. Kind of hope you didn't Tarantino <laughs> these, but if you did, that. bless you, you know. Okay, so what's number 11 on the Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, oh, what's... man. Okay, so coming in at number 11 on the critics' side of Rotten Tomatoes, with 12% of critics giving it the proverbial thumbs up, is... 3D. It's part three. Yeah, all right. I mean, I can't see a lot of critics. It's pretty happy it. too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. the the pointing to the camera. That's oh, well, yeah, yeah. The, uh, it's a different diff- kind of hacking. There, you were about to say the exact. <laughs> yeah, same exactly. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was number ten? <laughs> number ten coming in with sixteen percent is part five, a new beginning. Wow, not a lot of new lines so far. That's weird. Uh, that is a little weird. Paid and, new line employees. Huh? I didn't mind five so much. Uh, but coming yeah. in right above that with 19% is Jason X. Okay. Which I can see your critics wouldn't like this movie. Yeah, no, that's not, I mean, that's not a movie at all for critics. Especially, you got two genres that they're yeah. not they're not jazzed about. Yeah. So. Coming in right above that is another new line. So there you, you ask and you shall receive. With 24% is Jason Goes to Hell. And that seems awful high to me. 24% quarter, of critics liked it? A quarter of critics. Like I say, I'd like to see how many people... You know, how many yeah. critics actually reviewed this to give it that? Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, so you're telling me that four people reviewed this. Right. <laughs> right. That's what you're that's kind the only of... the way t- that works. It has to be. Because that's how you get to basically almost 25%. Four guys. I think one of the biggest crimes is that with only 1% more people liking this next movie, right above Jason Goes to Hell is the 2009 remake. Uh, see? Remake. Uh, it's got the stink of the remake on They it. should not be that close together. Yeah, and I'll talk about that more, especially yeah. when we get to IMDb. And tied with it, this is another crime. Just above that with the remake, I don't necessarily dislike that it's tied with the remake, but I dislike that it's so close to Jason Goes to Hell, is number four. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the final chapter is at tw- only 25%. Oh, all right, keep going. That's weird. I'm going to get too disgusted with this. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just roll through it. All right, so we're in the top five. Coming in at number five, according to the critics, with 30% is part seven, A New Blood. Wow, that's, that's high for high for a critics list, man. Carry fans. It seems high. I think maybe some of it has to do with all the cuts the MPAA did to, to take out the fun from a lot of it. <laughs> sure. And, uh, like, I did go into how the story, it does make parallels between Tina and Jason. So there is a pretty okay story until Jason yeah. steamrolls it, which I talked about in the episode. And once again, watching Crystal Lake Memories just now, how sad is it? The the prologue of Seven yeah. is, oh, well, there's this really cool entry, at least effects-wise, that we have for you, or we did, yeah. but... Paramount Pictures destroyed all the dailies yeah. after the final cut. Yeah. And, and it was cut. terrible. Yeah. yeah. All right. So coming in right above that at number four with 34% is Friday the 13th Part 2. Okay. The first of Jason and, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's me in that movie. I'm just going, yeah. like, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> coming in at number three with 41% is Freddy vs. Jason. Fair enough. I'm I'm kind of surprised critics like it, but what was the percentage again? I'm sorry, forty one percent. Yeah, I mean, hell, man, even some of the most jaded of critics had to get a kick out of this. Movie. Yeah, it, it, it was, was a lot good. of fun. And yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, like I said, the action, the newness to it. I think, yeah. and then coming right above that at number two with fifty two percent is part six. Yeah. I'm surprised that they liked six over four. Yeah, that's yeah, that's weird. To me. Maybe they got all the references too, and they gave a little bit of a boost for it. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, so that leaves, of course, 
number one is number one, Friday the 13th from 1980, with 59% of critics yeah. giving it the thumbs up. Which it, I think is pretty okay for a slasher movie. Yeah, and not to dwell too much on the uh, the popcorn flickster side of things, but was that pretty spot on, or is it way different? It's awful close. It puts Jason X and goes to hell at the very bottom. All right. And all of the... It starts at 24%, so okay. a quarter of people like it right from the bottom. At number one, part one, of course, is number one with on the flickster, the popcorn side as well. And it's almost exactly with the critics. It's only oh. It has 61% to the critics, 59 Okay. But other than that, yeah, it's, it's pretty close. Six does beat four in the audience as well, just okay. by a point. Which I still... I mean, that's arguable. Two victories for part one. Will it be a clean sweep? So I would stay say... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say something, but we'll save it for later. Okay, so we talked about talking about this for almost every entry in the series, mm. and, you know, I don't want to go so long, and but let's talk about this. This is one of those things that gets brought up in the history, especially of the modern slasher movie. Chris, I'm yes. going to ask you the ultimate question okay. for this Friday the 13th franchise wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, let's just go with this franchise. Okay. Do you believe that this is a morality tale? No, or, I do not. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't even let you finish your question. No, that was it. You but, didn't even dance around it. That's yeah. fine. And, uh, so why? why? It's So when you look at the slasher genre as a whole, I think it's a little bit more of a difficult question to answer. Because there are certain slasher franchises and individual movies that do take the ball with the morality tale and run with it and they do intentionally do that kind of thing and i think a lot of that is the scream effect where they set the rules and then everything kind of around that time and after it kind of says oh that is what it is and then they all started doing it which i think is it's a bit of revisionist history because if you look at the friday the 13th movies up to a point until they started to buy into it as well. Uh, especially, well, I mean, it's blatant in Jason X, where yeah. they, that's what they, they say. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. But it it isn't. Adrian King agrees with me in the Crystal Lake Memories. She said it is not a morality tale. But in preparation for this podcast, I, I, I wanted to talk about this the whole time, and we've kind of been saving it, because this is something that encompasses the entirety of the series, I think. And I just searched for people that were trying to argue the case that this is a morality tale and that Jason is like a archangel or something. He's like a messenger from God. Or one of them said he's like a a, a right wing or Reagan era acolyte or something like that. They kind of brought that up in Chris like memories. Chris, did you go trolling online recently? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I didn't write anything. I didn't leave any comments. I just read to to see what their arguments were, and they were all very generic and. Basically, it looked like they were written from people who had not seen all of the movies or had only seen the movies when they were young and were going off of memory, which, of course, means that they were influenced by what people were saying about the movies and then they were writing these things. And, of course, I'm sure some of them had their own agenda to to sway whoever, like, these movies are bad, therefore this is what it is you know gotcha but if you watch the movies and if you look at what jason does he's not going after the bad kids he's going after people he's just going after whoever's in his way he's not picking out people to murder when he sees something that's living in front of him he kills it he killed the dog he killed the banana girl was the banana girl bad she was eating banana she didn't do anything she was just there um and even in some of the later movies in freddy versus jason 
the Freddy version of Jason's mother said what we had said in one of the previous episodes before we got to it. You're just this big dumb animal. That's what he is. He's yeah. just a he just reacts and all he knows is murder. And if you go with the legend of Jason where he saw his mother murdered, so it's all about sort of about revenge but also about emulating his own mother and what she did. That's what he knows. That's what he saw. That's what he does. Right. She has the morality tale. He doesn't yeah. so much. That's what you're trying to tell me. A little bit, yeah. And But she wasn't very specific about who she went after either. Right, but... Brenda didn't do anything. She got yeah. killed. Ned didn't do anything. He got killed. Right, but the whole initial... I think they base it off of the speech that Pamela Voorhees gives in yeah, part one. That she that the kids were off having sex and or that they weren't watching him. That's what she said, is yeah. that they weren't watching him. But one she, thing leads to that in her mind. Yeah. And the ones the two that we saw that she killed, yes, they were in they were off having sex. Yeah. But that's not the whole of it. She's crazy for sure. one. Right. And but she didn't go after just those people. And so yeah. the motivations of these characters, of these killers in this movie, isn't about punishing bad kids. It's about punishing people for making me feel bad. I feel bad, therefore I'm gonna murder everything that I see in front of me. Right. It was convenient for that era. I mean we yeah. were just kids, but when I go back and read about yeah. the Reagan Bush administration sure. and, and Thatcherism yeah. so whatever side of the pond that you're on. Sure. It serves convenience for that agenda. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why it plays on that, because it came from that particular decade, the 80s, for the most part. Yeah. They played off of that. And it's it's almost like if you want to make that political point, yeah. then you have a little bit of an argument. But painting in that broad of a stroke, it's kind of one of those things where it's there if you want to see it. That's exactly what it is. And... I think in this modern age as well, you can look at horror and say, oh, this is what this is about because of the whatever agenda you have, whatever thoughts you have in your own head, you fit it into this form of, it's a, it's like the confirmation bias. Like you see something, so you're going to fit it into the, your way of thinking no matter what. Sure. And so the people that are, you see what you want to see in it, even if it doesn't necessarily, if that's not the reality of it. And I think, to me, like, more so than the punishing the bad kids, I think it was Sean Cunningham had said in one of the early ones, he was saying, this is what kids want these days. They want to see kids doing these things. The They're having sex, they're taking drugs, there's no parents around. I think that's a bigger deal than punishing bad kids. It's that there's no... And it started with the earlier slashes, like Halloween and things like that. Sure. And this, I mean, it's part of the... They're around, but they're not around. They're not around, yeah. yeah. And that's that's kind of the deal, is that in the evolution of horror, like this going into the slasher genre, it, it's always a reaction to something that, that happened in the previous generation coming sure. from that. Like from the 50s, it was all about... The, the nuclear family and all that. And and, nuclear in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then after that, when you get into the, like the 60s and then the 70s, it becomes a, a reaction to that. People were living in these idyllic houses, but now the horror isn't these big monsters. It's not the war overseas and these giant monsters destroying entire countries. Yeah. It's in the homes now. The parents yeah. are gone. They've been working all this time. The baby yeah. boomers and stuff are out doing their jobs. Yeah. And they're not home anymore. Two-income families. Yeah. yeah. So the kids in these movies and the kids in these eras are on their own. They're living in these houses by their own. They're the latchkey kids coming in through the 80s. And that's what these movies are about. Horror yeah. 
in this capacity is usually about the generation, the younger generation that it comes through. And that's what these kids are. And it's more about the parents not being there. And when the parents are away, the kids are going to do what they want. Some of them take drugs. Some of them have sex. Some of them don't. Crispin Glover's character, yeah. like he was, you can he tell wasn't he's a bad kid. And don't ever discount uh, one of the great contributors to th- this franchise, Tom Savini, who the reason he does what he does yeah. as a gore and makeup effects guy is because he's he's seen the real thing he's a vietnam yeah. veteran yeah and that plays right into the cultural thing as far as like the slasher was born yeah. out of the vietnam era it you was. can't say that it wasn't yeah and i mean you, exactly and just talking about the war the atomic bomb and things like that inspired yeah. the monsters of the 50s and 60s yeah hiroshima begat godzilla yeah and you look at like you were just saying the war the vietnam war people saw that in their homes they saw it on tv the the coverage of that was so widespread so literally the horror was in people's houses and their tvs the magazines that they were saturated by it so when you see these idyllic houses you see haddonfield you see elm street you see camp crystal lake your summer camp the horror so americana exactly and it's there and it's it's affecting the kids in this way and that's more of what it is than any of these morality tales anyone that picks up that and says Jason is a defender of conservative values and he's killing, he's punishing kids. They don't follow the history and the evolution of horror. They don't have any sense of what that is. And plus they're not even reading their Bibles properly either. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I just wanted to, to say that like definitively I would debate anyone who tried to argue that point because I would have, I have a laundry list of things like, nope, doesn't fit, doesn't fit, doesn't fit, doesn't fit. Yeah. Cause we've watched them all. Yeah. And in short succession. Yeah. And you can you can make the argument. Sorry, I'm almost done. No, no, no. <laughs> this is, this I'm is, getting on my soapbox I've here. been waiting for this yeah. the whole special. The So I've talked about the motivations of the characters within this universe. It's not about punishing bad behavior. It's about murdering things that are in front of you. You can argue that number five, who it's not Jason, he is punishing these people. Again, though, it's because he feels pain for what happened to his kid. And he's not punishing the bad kids. He kills the director. He kills the old man. He goes after random people that he he knows nothing about. And they didn't do anything. He murders them. He's, He's feeling pain. He's trying to cause pain on other people. And I like that Savini, who has no reason to defend five because he's not involved in it, yeah. said, I'd do the same thing if that happened to my grandson. That guy understands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you just said he was there. He saw the, the atrocities of war. And even uh, Betsy Palmer had said in her some of her interviews saying that she would get uh, calls and, and th- messages from fans saying, I understand why you did what you did. <laughs> That's a little weird. Bizarre. Yes. Yeah, but it does point to that. You know, it's not again. It's not punishment. It's, sure. it's just about. I love the potential amount of babies that she's had to hold for pictures <laughs> yeah. in her lifetime. That still blows me away. I'm as freaked out by it as they're honestly. And I, yeah. I love me my horror fans, but people weird, that are yeah. like, I want you to be like the godmother to my baby or yeah. something like. I mean, that's, that's always cool. take always taking it too far. It's yeah. like it's what gives Elvis fans a bad name too. Yeah. Know? Um. <laughs> but yeah. So the motivations, like I said, of these characters within the context of the film. That's not what it is. You could still try to make the argument that the filmmakers tried to put that in the movie. Because the horror genre, I feel, is reflective of the inner values of the society that that movie gets created in. And whether you want to admit it or not, the filmmakers want to admit it or not, 
those values come through in their film if they have enough creative control and if they're not completely like overburdened by producers and people with money in it you know the it's gonna come out no matter what and that's one of the things i love about horror it pulls out the inner fears and the inner prejudices and everything and puts it on screen but it it masks it in a way that we can kind of deal with it without knowing that we're dealing with it it's kind of like a dream like you when you process things that are going on in your life in your head you don't necessarily know it until it's over and you're like oh okay i get it yeah and that's what horror is and you can make the argument try to make the argument that slashes in general whether intended to or not do reflect a conservative value i think it's a difficult argument to make but you can try to make it but i still don't think that that's accurate because again that kind of throws away the history and the evolution and the influence what influenced horror in this era and in every era really all right chris i got a little segment i've been preparing here it's gonna be a real quick one okay okay and as a lot of us do i do this on my show sometimes too i don't have it all up here sure and i like to watch the special features i like to watch the documentaries Mm -hmm. and just kind of shape it in a way that i can commentate on it for shows like this when i do these things with you and i want to be a little prepared but as a lot of us do in this society in this day and age Mm. wikipedia is a big thing sure so this is going to be a quick little segment of stuff i learned about different parts of the franchise strictly on wikipedia and with the asterisk either i wasn't paying attention as much in the documentary at this part (laughs) or maybe i didn't see it on the imdb trivia track all right these are gonna be real quick okay okay so part two was the 35th highest grossing movie of 1981. Okay. Part three was the second highest grossing horror film of 1982, only behind Poltergeist. And another fun fact about part 3D is it was the first movie to knock E.T. off of the number one position in the box office. Wow. Can you even believe that? How long had E.T. been in the theaters at that point? I am not sure, but I can tell you I have a memory of seeing E.T. in the theater and... Uh, at least once, and it was probably the retread, mm. which I believe went back to the theater at least another two years I'm after sure, it was out. Because yeah. I have a memory of seeing it around 83 or 84. Wow, really? And like I said, Raiders stayed in the theater for like a year. I yeah. mean, if it's doing well, leave it. Yeah. And I'm I'm a big fan of just doing that in general. Sure. That's an interesting fact about 3, which I would have never guessed. that yeah. <laughs> there, There's a world where more people went to go see Part 3D right. in one week in any theater in the world ever yeah. than E.T. E. Yeah. That's amazing. That baffles me. Yeah, And in a, a few quick ones. Part 4, uh, number 26 grossing film of 1984. Part 5 was the 41st highest grossing film of 1985. Part 6 was number 46. Of 86. Okay. Part 7 was number 53 of 1988. Part 8 was number 70 of 1989. And not only that, but it has the amazing distinction of being in the top 10 of Entertainment Weekly's worst sequels of all time. (laughs) Number 8 comes in at number 8 on the list. Nice. On a list where Staying Alive was the number (laughs) 1 film. And I feel like that movie has to be better than Part 8. Caddyshack 2, which was number two on the list, huh? not so much. Yeah. There's a little mini rant there for me. <laughs> uh, Jason Goes to Hell was the 86th highest ranking film of 1993. It's too high. So, literally, I found just only a handful of things yeah. that I didn't learn watching the documents. And as sure. you can see, they're not awesome, amazing facts. I think yeah. the E.T. fact was money, the best yeah. one. Right. So... I think it does kind of say it's... They're, 
the movies never really did super great, you know, in the theater. Yeah. I mean, they did okay, and they will we'll talk about it when you talk about the money, like the money that they made, because the budgets are low on a lot of these. Yeah. But they, they're hovering, and the, you can see how they drop a little bit towards, <laughs> yeah, as they go. That. Yeah, so, so it kind of makes sense. A little bit of spoiler for later, but I think the ranking of box office will surprise you. Okay. Which, Chris, let's just go ahead and do the box office All list. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. This is domestic. I'll tell you a couple of extra things about it after we do just domestic. Okay. All right. So, number 12, and this is the ticket-buying audience, which is the bottom line in the film industry. Yeah. Number 12 may surprise you. Jason X only really? made $13,122,000. I'm rounding it up, by the way. Wow. To the nearest thousandth uh, dollar. Yeah. So, the least grossing movie in the franchise isn't that a surprise kind of that does kind of surprise me you know because you know this it's like kids are always going to see movies yeah like almost any movie even a flop is considered like 20 mil at this point 15 to 20 yeah. million i mean that's weird i mean yeah i guess they didn't I, make a whole lot of money back on that one no. i bet i mean i didn't see it in the theater yeah me neither so <laughs> hey yeah hey didn't care about it and the i don't remember the advertising for it being super great yeah. I, I thought it looked stupid before I ever saw it, and that's why I didn't go. They kind of threw it out there. Yeah. Something that did have an amazing campaign. Yeah. I'll give it that. Yeah. The only good thing about the movie is the campaign. Yeah. Part 8 was the 11th highest, which is just a okay. little over a million dollars than its predecessor on this list. Okay. With $14 million, 344000 for mm-hmm. Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Number 10, mm-hmm. Jason Goes to Hell, $15,935,000. That's too high. <laughs> absolutely too high <laughs> shouldn't have even broken 10 uh number nine part seven 19 million i mean i don't mind the movie so much but i think it makes sense because it is so far into the cycle and yeah. they've been pumping them out people are getting tired yeah so we're still into the teens we're rising up just slightly and i believe this movie deserved better hmm. and i said this during crystal lake memories part six with nineteen million four hundred seventy-two thousand, that surprises me a lot. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see like DVD and like home video sales how they compare to like box office. Sure, see, like which ones grew over time. I would expect that six would be one of those that really grew over time. Yeah, but only the eighth highest ranking in the ticket buying audience during its theatrical run. I think maybe because of they even kind of well, did they talk about it in Crystal Lake Memories? The fact that five people reacted very poorly to the end of five. Bad word of mouth. And so when six came out like a year, maybe two years later, that was still on their brain. And even though the tagline is Jason Lives, they were still like, eh, I'm giving up on it, you know. Yeah. The word of mouth did, I think, definitely taint part six because part five does not follow on this list. Really? The next entry is for part two. 21723000 Okay. Which, once we get to number one, that's a big drop-off, actually. So now, the next entry is for part five, Mm -hmm. which pulled in $2 million more. Actually, $2.5 million more than part six. So, $2.5 million of that money that went to go see five opted out of six because of five. Right. Five grossed $21,930,000. So, to the next entry is a very big jump. Coming in at number five is part four, the final chapter. 32981000 That's $11 million more. Yeah. I can, again, I think, 
well, three hasn't, you haven't said it yet, so it must have done pretty well, but to me, like, if I had, I was too young to see these in the theater at the time, but if I had seen three, I would have been like, screw this, I'm not going to see the next one. Right. And it's funny you say that, because number four is part three, mm. with 36,690,000. I feel like most of that's because of the gimmick. Oh, sure, for sure. So, number three is the original, part one. With thirty nine million seven hundred and fifty five thousand, right. and fun fact about that, the international box office was twenty million, huh. and for a movie like that, normally does not get distributed overseas. But there was such an amazing buzz yeah. on this movie, they actually sent it out. So the final tally, which I don't, I, I couldn't find any other international right. tallies mm-hmm. really that much, so. 59 million at the end of the day. Total for, worldwide. Uh, total worldwide. For a movie that was made for half a million dollars. Yeah. They made almost $60 million on that thing. That's pretty great. Wow. And, I mean, and where's horror, that money? Follow yeah. that money. <laughs> I think horror, I mean, horror movies are one of those genres that do well overseas because yeah. you don't really have to, you didn't really need to know, follow a lot of acting and, and talking and things for, for something like that. Mm-hmm. And I know horror movies did. Still do, but they did big in Japan, like the slashers and things like that. Sure. The, the more the gore, the the, the better at, some, at times. So, And this is the only movie I found a good factoid for this, because I, I, I didn't go into my own calculator for this. Right. But if you adjust for this year, mm-hmm. the year 2017, Friday the 13th Part 1 actually made $177 million. Actually, almost $178 million if you adjust it for Adjusted, wow. Like- yeah worldwide yeah wow yeah that's pretty great isn't it that's wow that's yeah it's <laughs> a lot of damn money i mean you have to adjust the the budget as well but yeah that's that's gigantic yeah and further proof positive that movies are recession proof hmm. the remake comes in at number two with 65 million two thousand dollars wow okay yeah that's a so domestically at its time for whatever the money yeah. is it made just over 20 million dollars more than the original but it's supposed to be bad because it's a remake right okay we'll, well. we'll do that a little bit of that <laughs> later number one of course the big showdown yeah. freddie versus jason eighty-two million six hundred and twenty-three thousand dollars. yeah the international 115 million dollars wow. yeah I probably could have guessed that that would have been the biggest moneymaker because we said it was an event movie and yeah. we talked about it in the episode. Go back and listen to it if you didn't hear it. Yeah, they we spent more about... money on promoting it than like the full budget of like what the at least the yeah. first eight movies or something yeah. like that. Because even if even if you had never seen one before, you were going to go with your friends to go see it maybe yeah. a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Chris, we have three more lists to do before the end of the special. We do. The IMDb list and R2 list, but I, I did want to get to something that I'm really excited about. I kind of put it to you just a few hours ago. I have this vision of Chris writing, producing, and directing. I'll help produce. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, a really Music cool supervisor, please. Uh, that, of course, and that. Yeah, licensing. Oh, I'm okay. gonna give you lots of rules. Oh, th- I'm happy to do it. <laughs> so, I'm giving Chris this like independent horror movie to do, but still with a decent enough budget to get good actors. Because as you see in some of these movies where they don't spend a whole lot of money, yeah. you, you kind of get what you pay for. Right. So, I put it to Chris give me six actors, and they have to be living, and it has to be for now. Okay, present day. Yep, I need six actors from the entirety of of the Friday the 13th franchise 
you're casting them in your movie to make it good. (laughs) Who are you bringing back kind of in a way from Friday the 13th obscurity? Like, you know, because when I looked up the majority of these actors on the IMDb, I was kind of surprised that some of them, you know, didn't have like this massive, huge resume. And maybe some of that's they're doing. You know, some people move on. They have families. They retire from acting, whatever. But just based on their performance and the talent you think they may not have ever lost. Yeah. Who are you going to put in your movie? I want I want the top six build for Chris's amazing independent horror movie that hopefully will happen down the road. Okay. Well, I do feel like I need to have someone that will be a draw, at least somewhat a, a genre draw, I guess. This guy is known for his genre roles. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm putting him in the lead because I don't know if I could afford him sure. at this point for for the entire film. But he will be in it. He'll be on the poster, and his name will be at the top. I'm gonna have to have Crispin Glover in my movie. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that, that I was thinking of somebody else. You oh, probably yeah. know who I'm thinking of now. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, that's great. I mean, you know, I'm of the kind that would go see him yeah. if he was in a theater. I'm not necessarily making a Friday the Thirteenth movie with these people. No, no but but you, you know that these people were in Friday the Thirteenth, so it's gonna play on that. And I'm gonna yeah. have him kind of maybe seem like he might be the killer, but maybe he's just the harbinger of doom. I think the, he'd be into it too. Yeah. Like as eccentric as he is, and, yeah. and some of the weird tales you hear about him, yeah. I think he'd be into this. Yeah. Because it's not a Friday the 13th right. movie. I think he's going to be the Harbinger of Doom, though. But he's going to say it in such a weird way that they don't know that it's the Harbinger of Doom until it's too late. You get him for like a, a like a half day. Right. You shoot his stuff and you're good to go. Right. Maybe you make him the killer. Maybe you don't. Yeah. All right. right. <laughs> I think in the... Probably the lead female role. I have... I don't know. I'm not going to put these necessarily in specific order because I like... I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think... Ah, uh, man. I have my three that I want. I'm doing three guys and three women. Well, these are the, actually the top six that came to mind when sure. I thought about this. I'm stalling because I'm still trying to figure out who I'm going to list right underneath Crispin Glover. <laughs> I think it's going to be... I talked about her a lot. She deserved so much better than the movie that she was in. One of the worst movies in the franchise, and her death scene was really dumb because of what happened in it. And I'm gonna go with Kelly Hu. I think she. I need to bring her back into the fold. She. Yeah. She's had some big blockbuster roles. She yeah. was Lady Deathstrike in the X Men. Yeah. But those she hasn't had that I've seen like that big role lately. Okay. And I think a genre horror picture, a, a mid to low budget horror movie that it gets released probably straight to video maybe maybe to like art house theaters things like that yeah art house and hopefully like that good front of the blockbuster display on its first week like those bruce willis movies get now and this (laughs) right (laughs) and this is i'm sorry i love i love you bruce and we're gonna we're gonna play the convention circuit as well sure sure yeah oh yeah. yeah and i think she would add a lot of weight to the character she would add a lot of gravitas to the role because she is really good at what she does and she would she would probably be the final girl in my movie. All right. I think next on the bill, I'm going to do I'm going to bring back someone who I think was great in the role, a very memorable actor, young actor in one of these movies in the much maligned part 5. I'm going to bring in Shavar Ross cuz nice. we saw him in the Crystal Lake Memories and he looks great. He yeah. he has the personality, like the personality that you saw with Reckless and Reggie yeah. in the movie. He, it feels like that's part of him, and yeah. he still has it. And he was he was kind of doing the voice a little bit in the interview segments. So. Yeah, and one of those things, like, you see that guy, and you see the kind of energy he has. And it's not one of those, like, kind of shitty energies you see yeah. in some of these wrap-ups. 
I, I just think that he's very genuine. Yeah. And I'm almost like upset and disappointed like that I haven't seen him in the things that I've watched over the years. Like, right. you mean to tell me that he just isn't talented anymore? He's right. got to be. Yeah. So that's perfect. I love that, Chris. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> and so in my next one, another female, I'm going to bring back one of the final girls, actually, in my movie. I think she was good. I think she could do with a little bit more of an expanded role because I think I think she was supposed to be in the one after, but she turned it down or something like that. Hmm. And it is Jenny from part two, Amy Steele. Yeah. I really liked her in the Crystal Lake Memories thing. Yeah, she even talked about it. she did turn down three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think she probably regrets that by this point, yeah. and I think bringing her back into a horror movie in the similar vein, I think she would do really great in that role. In the, in the movie, they were talking about uh, bringing back all the final girls or yeah. from the Crystal Lake Memories. All the back survivors. All the, yeah, all the survivors. Yeah, all the survivors from the movies. And having this one big movie, and I was joking that like that would be cool to do. I'd love to write that movie too. There you, you go. Know? Yeah, but yeah. that would be difficult to do. I think. Yeah. Uh, that would be the sequel to our uh, Lost in the Woods movie that we talked about <laughs> way back in the. Uh, I think it was part four. We talked about it because it would have Paul who was missing and, and Muffin, and Muffin, <laughs> and Tommy's mother. Muffin would be in the dream sequence. Yeah. Because I... Muffin is dead. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Muffin mm-hmm. is dead. I keep forgetting. Can but, I get it? Can you, will you put a bear in it? Yeah. <laughs> Tommy's mom and a bear that's gonna be the lead paul tommy's mom and a bear (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the so the sequel would be the final girls and that would be amy would be in that as well but she's gonna be in my movie first there you go (laughs) i've already i've already pre-ordered on on the ticket agencies so yeah and then next i don't know that this probably won't be a surprise to you because i love this guy and i love everything he does he was also in part five and he played reckless's brother I'm going to bring in Miguel Nunez Jr. because yeah. I think he's fantastic. I love everything he's ever done. Yeah. And I just want him to be in more movies, so I'm going to put him in more movies. Yeah. It was the only thing I liked about Street Fighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that movie's terrible. I'm sorry, it's but it not is. so great. And I think I said this on the Part 5 episode. He he always brings up anything that he's yeah. in. Yeah. And he definitely brought up five. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I love all the confidence team. in the world putting yeah. him... In your horror film. I don't know if I'm going to make him and Shavar Ross brothers in this one. I think maybe... I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think of how we'd do that. Yeah. yeah. I don't so, know. We'll see. See, how come freaking... Um, what's his name? From Key and Peele that did the awesome Get Out movie. Oh, yeah. Like... Jordan Peele. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you hire Miguel Nunez yeah. Jr. and Shavar Ross? What are you doing here, right. man? I'm not trying to play the card so hard, but come on. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. Bring them in. Yeah, they're great. Put them yeah. in your next damn yeah. movie. And okay. then, I'm, I'm challenging somebody's got to know them that's right. listening to somewhere years from now. Sure. Whatever year it is, make it happen. Okay. <laughs> and then my final of my final six, uh, or top six bill, anyway. These will, these will, All six of these faces will be on the poster. Yeah. I'm going to go with one of my sentimental favorites from a movie that she deserved so much better. She had my favorite kill in the movie favorite death but she got put upon by so many people in this movie there was racism there was the the people that no one no one in the movie cared about her and she was such a nice woman and she never did a bad thing but she still got killed adding to the proof that this is not a morality tale because she was a she was an angel yeah and i'm going with vera from friday the 13th part three one of the Worst movies, in my opinion, which we'll get to in a minute, but what's, I think she what's deserves... What's her name? 
her her real name is Catherine Parks. Thank you. And I think she would be great. We saw her in the Crystal Lake Memories, and mm-hmm. she still she she can do it. I know she can. Yeah. I looked up her IMDb. She hasn't done much in a long time, but she was in something. There was a credit in 2017, I believe, or Whoa. 2016 or 17. Nice. So she did something. She's still sort of in the business. Maybe she got something that worked on one yeah. of those conventions or something. Right. You know, I, I got another role for somebody else real quick, and then we'll okay. get to IMDb. Right. The, the fan rankings. Uh, what's the name of the character, the white biker guy from part three? Oh, Loco. Loco. Yeah. It, when Woody Allen dies, yeah. that guy is going to play him because right. he doesn't so much look like him because one of those producers do. Yeah. Um, the, like, there's two Woody Allens yeah. in Crystal Lake Memories, but he's got the Woody Allen voice. He's got oh, it down. It's like, you cut away to me smoking a cigarette in the part three. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, the, yeah, I'm doing Dana Carvey's Woody right. Allen, but like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be in it too but he's not going to be on the poster but he'll be in it <laughs> sure yeah but yeah so Crispin Glover Kelly Who Shavar Ross Amy Steele Miguel Nunez Jr. and Catherine Parks are going to be in my horror movie my yeah. first horror movie I'm in I'm already writing it yeah the high spot murders right yeah. <laughs> hey there we go <laughs> they all fall off of something really tall <laughs> But. Okay, that, that that was a joke for me and him. Let's move on to the fan rankings of the IMDb. That was a great list, Chris, by the way. I, I enjoyed that very much. I just basically picked my favorite actors from the well, series. Well, sure, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, and they also come off all very well yeah. as, as people. Yeah. And that's important to have sure. a non-cancerous atmosphere right. on your movie set, as they talk about a lot yeah. in documentaries such they as did. that. Yeah, they did talk about some of the, not necessarily infighting, but there were some issues on the sets of some of those movies. All right, the fan rankings. IMDb average on a 10 scale. Number 11, because there is a tie in here. Okay. Number 11 with 4.3 stars. Do a quick pre-guess. What's the lowest fan ranking? Uh, Lowest fan ranking is, I'm hoping it's Jason Goes to Hell. 4.3, Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. Number 10 is 10 with a 4.4 star average. Okay. Because you know, honestly, between you and me, guys out there, these these things here, you're always gonna find that one dude that has it at ten stars on IMDb. These are like two star movies at best, and you know this. They're not very good. That's what I think. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for letting me talk to the audience for a second, just no between problem. us, Chris. Okay, number nine with a four point six is Jason Takes Manhattan Part Eight. Yeah. Number eight is. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning with 4.8. Okay. Number 7 is 7, The New Blood, 5.3. I'm going into movie phone guy. <laughs> Number 6, Dramatic Pause, Friday the 13th, 2009. The remake, 5. Yeah. 5.6. 5.6, <laughs> Chris. It's low, but it's low because people don't like remakes. Yeah. And they don't watch the movie. And they go into the movie not wanting to like it, so they... Don't watch it to enjoy it. They watch it to, to rip it apart. And I believe that's what they did here. Yeah. It was kind of spoiling our list. so, But it, it'll still be interesting to find out where we're putting those. Because yeah. that, that's a... We were both talking about this without spoiling our entry. Yeah. This is going to be a hard one to it's rank. It's difficult. Because you know, there's seniority. There's oh, yeah. Okay, anyway. Let's, let's finish off the fans. Number five. With a .1 better rating than the remake. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. Right. Friday the 13th, part 3D, with a 5.7. A lot of Shelly fans out there, I guess. Uh, I think people may reward that for the mask. 
Yeah, right. Like I feel like they they give it a higher rating. Yeah, I could see that. I I, I mean I don't defend it, right. but I can see why they did it. I rewarded for Vera. That's it. There you go. Number four with just point one more than part three is mm-hmm. Freddy versus Jason with a five point eight. Number right. three actually tied for three with both five point nine ratings mm-hmm. is part four and part six. Okay. Yeah. Right. Number two is part two with a 6.1. And of course, number one is the original with a 6.5 rating on the IMDb fan scale. That's, yeah, I mean, that's respectable. I think even with the people that are like, I hate all horror one, I think even with <laughs> that, that's part of what that is, I think. Yeah. But it is a little bit evened out by the, this is the greatest thing ever made because it's the first one, 10. That's not correct either, necessarily. But I think it's... We talked about the the star rating on the first one. I think it's... It deserves to be in the number one spot. I'm not spoiling my thing. I don't think it's any surprise. But the star rating itself, I think, might be a little low. Yeah. A little low for a lot of those, honestly. Yeah, like you said, no surprise. Uh, Quasi-professional critics, professional critics, fans alike. Yeah. It's a clean sweep on that list, at least. Yeah. Not on the box office, but as far as yeah. uh, reviewers... They gave it to part one across the board. Sure. Will it have the same luck here? I'm going to go ahead and do mine first right. since you're the host, Chris. So co-host gets it and then you get to close. Right. Get your pens out to see who you agree with more. Right. Do you agree with me or Chris? This is not a real competition, but I'm still kind of curious. Sure. Yeah. It's, I'm interested to, even if no one else is, I'm interested in hearing like how we yeah. compare with each other. And since I lose count with the, the number, I'm just going to read them. Sure. And then space it out, going from bottom to top, of oh, course. Of course, yes. Jason Goes to Hell. Okay. Any particular reason? It's a terrible film, Chris. Okay, thank you. Listen, go listen to the episode. You you know you know why. <laughs> Moving on. Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Part 7, The New Blood. Really? All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it kind of just kept falling as I pushed other stuff up there. Sure, oh, that makes sense. And it only just slightly with the next one, okay. which you might fight me on, which we can have a healthy debate about this because <laughs> I'm just having fun here. Yeah. But this is just this go. Let's let's say this is this go round, Chris. Okay. Jason X. Part three. Part five. Part two. And then, honestly, these next two are kind of a tie. You probably know what I'm going to say. But I'm going to go in order from bottom to top where if I said i'm gonna watch this one tomorrow yeah i'm gonna pick this one so freddy versus jason 2009 remake number three uh-huh. part six okay number two part four and number one number one wow okay and before we get to your list chris yes while we were watching crystal lake memories i went ahead and asked you to pre-guess where i would rank the remake you said three. You were not far off. I put it at four. Yeah. So, not bad. You you know your best friend very well. <laughs> well, I knew you liked this movie yeah. a lot as well. And I was going to ask you what you thought about my list just now, Chris, but you're actually about to tell me I'm gonna tell with you, your list. Yes, I was <laughs> writing them down as fast as I could as you were saying them, and I will say that we match up quite a bit. I can already pre-guess that seven is higher than mine is. So go ahead. You might be right. You might find out in just a second. Mm, Bottom of crazy. (laughs) Bottom of the list at number twelve. Jason goes to hell because it's stupid and it's awful and I hate it. 
It's a dumb movie. It's not a good movie. It's not a good Friday the 13th movie. It's not a good movie in general. It's edited poorly. It doesn't make sense. There's too many stupid things thrown into it. The the crate, the, the Necronomicon, the knife, the fireflies, the everything. It's stupid. I hate it. And it's garbage. Let me know when you get past that bar, Chris. All right. <laughs> for the for the for the fans out there, I'm gonna add a little commentary. Sure, I, as I'm, I go, I dig so. it. It's my favorite part of the show so far. Coming in at number eleven, I don't know if there's a significant jump with this or not. I was actually having a little bit of trouble with these these next two because there's things about them that really bug me a lot. But at number eleven, you had Jason Takes Manhattan. I have Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, it's a. It's there's so many dumb things in this, but it is still sort of kind of a Friday the Thirteenth movie because Jason's in it. Yeah. He's in it more than Jason goes to hell or and, five. Yeah, <laughs> and I think some of the kills were okay, but the broken promises, like we talked about, hurt it a lot. The it's just not, a, not the sewer barfing or the <laughs> that's what I was yeah. gonna get to. We talked about the the stupid toxic waste flushing of the sewers, which is dumb. Which was introduced at the very end of the movie, right before they paid it off. It was the 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 thing that comes out of nowhere that completely solves the movie. It was the Deus Ex Machina or whatever you know. The thing that comes at the end that completely like saves the day. It was stupid garbage. So we talked about when the Jason sees the toxic waste and he vomits water. He vomits <laughs> lake water out of his mouth as he looks at it. That goofy face that doesn't move. Like, we, we're looking at some of the effects from Seven. The face looks good. Like, yeah. they really tried and it, it has a lot of ability to emote. But yeah. the face in, in Eight is... It looks, it looks like a... Halloween mask that you buy out of a store. Yeah. It just looks like a flat latex yeah. mask. Like I said, Lloyd Kaufman laughs at that. But we saw some cut footage from the movie. Their idea <laughs> when this happens, when he vomits this water out of his mouth, was to have a close-up of his face. They made this. They spent time and money to have the effects guys make a large construction of Jason's mouth because they wanted to have baby Jason come out of Jason's mouth as he's vomiting lake water. And they shot this. And they show it in Crystal Lake Memories. If that's not a reason to go watch that and spend the, all the hours watching this, it's it's a good documentary. It's, it's actually really good. They got a lot of people to do it. Yeah. But to see this footage of baby Jason coming out of riding the wave of water out of Jason's mouth. How... <laughs> That's the mentality of this director that we talked about towards the beginning of the show, of, of Rob Hedden. So you know, Jason Goes to Hell must be pretty bad, <laughs> that I would still watch 8 before I watched yeah. Jason Goes yeah. to Hell. Man, so funny, so dumb. And there's so many, we talked about it already, there's so many things you have to just forget. The, the shared hallucination with the dog and the woman, the... The, the, the dwindling people on the boat that just aren't explained because there is no more restaurant. Oh, man. Check, please. Yeah. Coming in at number 10, you have part 7, The New Blood. I disagree, Joey. Okay. Coming in at number 10 on my list is 3D. Because 3D wow. was garbage. I don't like it. It was stupid. It, it was lazy. I think I talked about it a lot in when we were doing the individual episode. It yeah. was... It's just a lazy movie, and all it had going for it were Vera and pointing things at the camera. Other than that, they didn't... Jason kind of wasn't in it because they never said his name. Right. That's, that's also very true. But as much as I was just talking about the 
stuff cut from the ending of part eight that would have made it even worse than it was. The ending of part three with, with zombie Miss Voorhees. Yeah, yeah, you can't explain that. You no. can ex- you can explain the kid Jason in the water because it's a delusion. We talked about it on the episode. You can't explain that. That's a stupid, stupid ending. Yeah. It's 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 terrible. But I would still watch it before I watch Jason Takes Manhattan. Of course, wouldn't. But yeah, that's that's why I feel that three deserves to be there and not New Blood. Thanks for giving me that at least. <laughs> Coming in at number nine, we're back on the same page. I think you had Jason X. I think that Jason X is... Around there. Yeah. I think <laughs> it, it belongs there because, you know, you can I can watch this movie, but it's a stupid movie. It's yeah. not well made. We talked about how they would cut away from things because they didn't have the budget or they didn't have the yeah. the brain power to write something to make it work within yeah. the, their means. And that's one of the things that, with a lot of these movies... I've seen people defend Jason X a lot. I saw an article from IGN.com recently that was titled In Defense of Jason X. And I read it. And they were basically saying this is a stupid movie and it's fun and that's all you really need. And I'm like, mm, that's dangerously close to the Rob Hedden defense of his own movie of Part 8, Jason X Manhattan. Yeah. It's stupid and, it's, and all these movies are stupid so it fits right in. No, it's not. You're wrong. Don't say that stuff because it's wrong. Yeah, But... It, we talked about Jason X. It is a stupid movie, and it knows it's a stupid movie, but you can still make that movie work better if you know your budget, if you know your limitations and work within those, as opposed to saying, I think it'd be cool if we had a city blow up. I think it'd be cool if we had a woman fly out of this airlock through a grate. Well, we can't show it. It's okay. People will get the idea of it, and that'll be enough. <laughs> that was a lot of the defense that I saw, is that it had good ideas, and I think it doesn't have the ideas aren't good but they're fun but they aren't able to follow through with all of them they are with some the my favorite death the frozen face getting crushed i think it's it's fun and it's well done yeah yeah. there are other ones in there too but and it just it's such a departure from everything else i've saw people trying to say that it goes back to the basics of what friday the 13th is and this was made for the fans because it knows the essence of the the series and what Jason is. No, it's not. It, that's This isn't what was set up by the series. What was set up by the series was someone stalking people and there was a lot of stealth and there was tension and there was fear. This is, like we said, this is a monster movie. This is a mm-hmm. big thing on a ship that's just steamrolling people. It's all about action and murder. It's not about tension. It's not about fear. It's yeah. about over-the-top gore and violence. And, and retreading a lot of other films that worked better. And, yeah, and a lot of other films that worked better that I would rather watch than this movie. But it's at number nine on my list. Coming in at number eight, you had part three. And at number ten, you had part seven. I had part three. Coming in at number eight, you have part three. I have part seven. I figured that's where it was going. Yeah. And to what you were saying about X, like, the things that they intended to do in part seven... You could tell that besides getting yeah. butchered to death by the MPAA, everything that they set out to do with this initial script, they at least paid it off in the sense of the house blowing up is a good right. example. Yeah. They blew that house up. They did it with their budget. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah, they almost did it too well according yeah. to the documentary. Yeah. But yeah. like something like that. That that's a yeah. nice basic plot. Right. That if you have a few bucks, you can do a good one. Yeah. And it's it's not them putting yeah. the, the the girl through the grate right. in X. 
this one pays off. Yeah. So most of those things pay off. Like if you didn't know about some of the Gorgon cut out. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I, I could see where you would put that there yeah. higher. So, you know, I'm not going to totally fight you on this. This is mm-hmm. just my, sure our personal journey on this go round. Right. Yeah. So, and I think, like I said, I don't mind parts of it. I have a pretty good memory of it, like yeah. as of enjoying it. And I think the, there were... The ending completely brings... That's why... The, yeah. I, I just couldn't... It's the ending, yeah. I actually did that. Whenever I had a hard time positioning some of these, I actually thought about every ending and I'm like, oh, I like that any better. That goes up, that that goes down. And that's really what I based it on, That's honestly. a lot of what I based it on, too. But as weird as that ending is, I think the ending to three is worse because it's more difficult to explain away. Sure. Yeah. And I, I probably didn't... I wasn't consistent on some of that, but I I, I, I kind of, where seven and X is positioned for me is that I like the, I like the football tackle on space and Jason (laughs) versus non mossy dad jumping out of the water. That's kind of where I kind of pushed it. So I, I can, I can see that too. These three, honestly, it was tough. Like this is one of those sections in my list where I was kind of juggling them around till the very end so where's your bar from garbage to i at least put this on if i'm gonna fall asleep was it at x yeah it was x okay yeah definitely i was curious probably gonna stay away from hell manhattan and three for a long time until i rewatch the entire series again right on. but i may watch jason x and I'll, I'll watch seven but coming in at number seven on my list you had number five i have number five oh, i think okay. it's i think it's a pretty good spot for it I don't mind the movie. I don't mind that Jason isn't in it. I don't care so much. I yeah. think it's kind of an interesting thing. I wish they had gone with... Corey Feldman actually had a really good idea, believe it or not. Yeah. In the... He's, <laughs> and from a guy that's never had yeah. any good ideas in life. <laughs> so in the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, he was talking about this movie because he was originally supposed to be in it, but he couldn't do it because he was doing Goonies and other stuff and becoming a huge star. Yeah. He became too big for the project. Yeah, he did. And but he still talks about what they had planned. He also had a good idea for the ending of this movie, and we talked about how it was a whodunit. They actually mentioned that in the thing. Yeah. And the I don't really like that the paramedic guy that Roy was the murderer because it feels cheap. But the thing that we kept talking about is that they were building up Tommy to be possibly maybe the killer, yeah. and it's obvious, and that's what they were doing. When we talked about it. Yeah. Corey Feldman's idea was to not reveal who Jason was at all. Don't say who it was. Don't have the final scene where Jason gets killed. Just have it keep going and leave it ambiguous so that maybe it is Tommy, maybe it isn't. There's no closure in that movie. And maybe they end the series there, maybe they keep going. I think people would have reacted poorly to that as well. Sure. But maybe less poorly to what actually was given to them with the, the... cheapo cop-out ending that's a big what if but i think that artistically and as far as the story and coming full circle i think an ambiguous ending like that is something that it would have been a gamble for sure but i think over time i think people would have come to accept it and say that yeah this is actually a really good movie and i like that they didn't answer all these questions because a lot of these movies when you get deeper into the series they have to spoon feed what happens to you. And they did that in this movie. The cop at the end of the movie when he's talking to the woman at the end after Tommy's in the hospital bed. Just a big old spoonful of peanut butter. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's the he's explaining the entire movie. I don't like it when they do things like that. He even has newspaper clippings and pictures and things to show 
her, thereby showing the audience. And he explains everything that this guy was thinking. This guy's dead, by the way. He didn't even come in contact with him directly, except for that one scene where he's like, "You talking to me? No, no, Roy." I like that. I like that. In Crystal Lake Memories, the the actress Survivor lady, yeah. she was like. How come they have a file photo of Jason? Yeah, and, of Jason. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't even think about it when they were doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's a picture of Jason. Like it's an old picture. It is the actual Jason, not the fake Jason, because it's an old, yeah. like, yellow yeah. newspaper clipping, and it's Jason looking at the camera, like, "What's up, guys?" Like we don't have red light cams at this point. Right. I mean, come on. So, so I, my ranking of five is strictly based off Shavar, Miguel, and a lot of healthy yeah, breasts. That's a lot for me too. So yeah, I think there was a lot of potential with the movie, but it just wasn't followed through in the correct way. but i think this next movie is kind of the midpoint for me these the movies that i've listed so far and that we've both listed so far there's a lot of problems with them i can still watch some of them i still watch most of them i mean i don't i don't hate any of these movies except for hell maybe but the you don't hate manhattan chris uh, there's pieces there's bits of it that i okay that's fine well i'll move on from me because i'm (laughs) i'm really charged up about it especially after the doc well yeah i mean you can tell what i think about it too but coming in at number six on your list was friday the 13th part two coming in at number six on my list is friday the 13th part two ah all right nice i think it's it's a fine movie it's pretty plain it's kind of vanilla it's like they said they, they recreated Part one, yeah, but I think to a, a decent degree. Yeah, they took yeah. the formula established with the first one and basically just did it again. Yeah. They, they they replaced Mrs. Voorhees with Jason, even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they talked about it, and we talked about it before we even watched that. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, and it is kind of dumb, and it's cheap. But the movie itself, it it works for what it is. Yeah. And, like, we we even got deeper into it in our <laughs> reading of it. More so than it should probably be allowed. But it was a lot of fun right, doing but it. Yeah, it makes sense, because he would yeah. emulate his mother. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still kind of... The ambiguous ending is like, what? Like, come on. It's not a bad ending, because nothing happens. It's yeah. just she goes away, and Paul's gone. And you're like, I don't... Well, whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of what this movie is. It's like, you know, fine, whatever. So that's why I'm pulling Amy Steele out of that for my movie. Sure. Yeah. Coming in at number five on your list is Freddy vs. Jason. Coming in at number five on my list is Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, right. Nice. I had a really hard time with this one because I really enjoy this movie. The reason I put it at five is because when we did our review and discussion of Freddy vs. Jason, we said we're going to look at this as a continuation of the Friday the 13th series. And as a Friday the 13th movie... It's not as good as some of these others. I think maybe as a movie on its own, if I was doing that ranking, I think this may have moved up a bit in Me my too. list. Me too. But as a... I, I did the same thing. Yeah. I approached it from Jason's side. I'm not just saying that either. And I, We went about yeah, the same way. This I, is awesome. That's that's exactly why I put it where it is. And I actually had this one and my number four. I was flip-flopping up until right before we started recording this. Is it the same as mine? Your number four is the remake. My number four is the remake. Hey, yeah. nice. It's different. It's not a classic Friday the 13th movie, but it is a faithful reimagining of what Friday the 13th is. It's bringing the first and some of the second movie and the third just because of the mask sure. into the modern age and saying that that kind of horror worked then. This is what 
horror is today for better or worse it's a little more it's 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 kind of a little more reality based yeah and we talked about a lot of it on, yeah. on that one but yeah man i i just i had such a hard time but really i had such a lot of it was nostalgia seniority yeah. and stuff like that which put it where i put it yeah. where we both put it I, i'm assuming it's the same for you yeah and that's kind of why it's at number four i, I mm. er, initially i i was struggling with man this might go number two it was yeah. at two and three at different points where I was really thinking about it really hard and doing that thing where I said, if I was going to watch one tomorrow, sure. this is the one I'd watch. And that and I, it almost went higher for me. Yeah, I was more thinking I may put it a little bit lower hmm. on mine. So I think we kind of met in the middle on this one. Okay. Uh, not necessarily. I do enjoy the movie, but as like a Friday the 13th movie, there I do have some problems with the movie. Sure. Some of the characters and some of the some of the stuff is just super obvious. We got into it a lot because yeah. I was like the longest one we've done besides <laughs> yeah. this one so far. <laughs> But yeah, I think like but it was saying justice, justice for this, please. I mean, yeah. it's just it's good, damn it. And and like I said, these movies are very much a product of the time that they're made in. And I talked about that when I'm talking about like the horror genre. And of course, there are throwback movies. But for a big budget horror movie, if you want to succeed, and you, they did put a, a good amount of money in this movie. Yeah, they even paid for music. <laughs> yeah, so if you're going to succeed, you're going to make a movie that appeals to modern sensibilities. And that's what this movie does. Yeah. It takes that Jason mythos and says, okay, this is the world that we live in now. This is the movie. I think for some people, that's why they don't like it. Because it does feel like a modern horror movie. Yeah. But it is a good modern horror movie. Thank you. It's, it's violent. Thank you. Um, the, they do add things for convenience sake, the mines underneath to explain some of the things where he keeps showing up, where he shouldn't be, they make him, but like we said, it humanizes him in the way that it makes him feel like a human being that can be fought against. So it adds a little bit different. It's more of a, this could actually happen. Whereas yeah. most of the rest of these movies probably couldn't. Yeah. Right on. Coming in just above that at number three. On your list is part six. I had trouble with this one too because I don't like the comedy so much, but I also have part six, Jason Lives. I think we're going to be matching up yeah. on all the... Oh, yeah. let's see. Yeah, Maybe. It's some of the scenes, the paintball scene, had me thinking that I was going to make it lower. The I was worried. Yeah. <laughs> but really, when I started to try to think about it, I think that this is one of those movies that it was kind of a redefinition, but it's a definition of what the series is. It's the camp. It has the kids. It goes a little bit further in that with like the children, yeah. not the not the older kids, the yeah, college exactly. age kids. It has children in the camp. And when I saw this for the first time, I was a kid, and so I related to this movie more. And there is a little bit of that nostalgia that when the little girl Nancy sees Jason, like when I was a kid, that scared me and. Mm -hmm. My memories of being scared in the woods mostly come from this movie, from part six. Because right. I think the this version of Jason, where he's just all black, he's usually wet, he's gross, he's yeah. he's got the black head behind the mask, and yeah. he's all dirty. That's the scariest Jason for me. And I think that's the iconic Jason as well. That's yeah. the one that goes, that everyone thinks about. And that all comes from this movie. And it's a well-made movie. I like it. The, and you I, never the, see his face. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. 
I will. Well, not after he puts the mask back there on. There we go. Yeah. Because you usually always see it at the end of all right. these movies, yeah. but they don't do it this That's time. That's true because, yeah, he gets tied up in the I appreciate chains that. underneath. Yeah. Yeah. The, the plotting was a little bit back and forth, like we talked about. That, that's a nitpick. Sure. Like, this is a good movie. It, it finishes off Tommy's storyline with in a in a pretty decent way. Yeah. Um, and I think that... It would have been nice to kind of end the series this way. I mean, like, yeah. until the Freddy Jason thing happens. Yeah. And I am I'm on board with that. Yeah. Because, think about it, it's not far off from how Freddy vs. Jason kicks right. off. He's back at the lake. It's all good. Right. Done. Yeah. Just have him in the lake instead. Yeah. You and could. and I think part six is a great example of taking something that had run its course and the the series had run its course yeah. through through four really I think yeah. that was they could have stopped there and people would have maybe not everybody but it would have been a good place to end it but part six takes what came before but twists it in such a way you've got the zombie Jason now it's a different dynamic it's more about the kills rather than the tension it's not a who done it anymore yeah but it's a it's just a really good slasher yeah. horror movie. It's it's a fun movie. This is the start of the fun, and it, it is fun. Yeah. Coming in at number two, right above that, I don't think this is any surprise for anyone listening to this. I'm still trying to build it up a little bit. You had part four. I have part four. Yeah. This, it's, this one was a little more scary because they had gone down from... One to two to three was that downward slope. Three is completely goofy. Yeah. Four brings it back to a horror film. Exactly. And there's not the silly, goofy comedy of six. Yeah. And Jason is really scary in this. We yeah. talked about it. When he goes in and, and is attacking Tommy and his sister and just all the stuff that he does. And you don't really see Jason move like that in yeah. most of these movies until a little bit later. I think some of Kane Hodder's stuff, he does get that agile. He's yeah. he's a lot more mobile at times. Yeah. But when he, like... <laughs> Great choices by yeah. the, that, that guy, that, that really old guy right. that played Jason. Yeah. This <laughs> he throws Rob through the window, and then he crashes through the door. He throws the hammer. Everything is just yeah. like... In two minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's just a barn burn. We he's talked on... about it before, yeah. but it, I wanted to talk about it again because sure. it's so fun. Yeah. And it does set up cool new elements to the formula. It still follows the formula, of having the kids in the party house, but you've got the 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 Rob character who, even though that story didn't come to fruition completely of him looking for his sister, Jason steamrolled over that, which kind of makes sense because yeah. that's what Jason does. Yeah, and yeah, let that be a lesson to you out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, it it brought the scary back to the series yeah. and, in a little bit of a different way. It, it Just, felt and like be, a new start and better actors too. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, actors. better acting. Yeah, and relatable to many different people. It had the kid, it had the the teens, and it had the mm-hmm. adult in it. Yeah, the this mom. is one of the only ones where there's a parent present. And yeah. we, I talked about this again with the genre stuff. I think this is. I don't think this was intentional. But the fact that when we talked about how she goes off to look for the kids and then she screams and you don't see her anymore, she disappears. I think that's very telling. That's symbolic of this whole genre, starting with Halloween and all those around there. There was a parent there, but she disappears. She's not dead. She's just not there. And she isn't present anymore. And it's her own. She left. Jason didn't necessarily take her. You don't see Jason take her. Right. She left the house. She left the kids alone. Right. And I think that says a lot about what the this genre is trying to say. It's the parents have left the kids to their own devices. Yeah. And that's not the literal thing of what happened in the movie, but artistically, when you look at it, that's symbolic of 
the era and everything like that. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a... And now the number yeah. one song. And so number one, I don't think is any surprise. Number one is number one for you and for me. It's one of the better slashers in slasher history. So domestic box office aside, it's a clean sweep because yeah. when I did that adjusted and all this other stuff, it, it's it's just number one across the board. Yeah. It is a clean sweep for the original, which is kind of proof positive. Not kind of. <laughs> this seems to be proof positive as we go through maybe some of these other franchises that the original is probably going to be the best at the end of the day. Well, it has yeah. to be. It's no surprise because I enjoy the movie the most because it's that kind of horror that I really like. But also, when I do that, when I when I made my list and I looked at it, I was like, okay, am I just putting this here because it is the first one, because it's the yeah. original? Am I doing that just because it is the thing that started it? And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking about watching it again recently, and I'm like, no, it's actually really well made. Yeah, and like if I didn't say this on that episode, like when I first saw it, it didn't resonate with me as much. Yeah. But it has lasted over the years as the most rewatchable of the entire series really is it's because it's so well made and the care put into it we we talked about all this but it's aged so well and like there's even that joke on that simpsons episode i I believe was the first treehouse of horror episode Mm. where they did the raven oh and then like bart says that's probably like real scary by those standards kind of like when you watch the first friday the 13th it's not really scary about that joke yeah yeah so I get it. I, I was that kid at one yeah. point. I thought that. And even at that age, seeing it that young, I should have been scared of this movie more. But it scares me more now right. than it did then. Yeah. And I, it has to be number one in my book for that. Yeah. And for that reason. And, and many others, but right. that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> more surprises in this series. <laughs> All right. Where do we go from there? I think that's it. I think we've kind of wrung every bit of blood out that we can out of this series. <laughs> yes. We're going to go try to find all the missing VHS material from 7 to get right. more blood. Yeah, I want yeah. I want that edit. I want the that crappy non-tracking edit. <laughs> we need to start a uh, I don't know, like a campaign to have people send like, because there's video footage of some of it somewhere, yeah. because they had it for this... That's, prob- to, that's need... probably the director's yeah. Of that. yeah. If we can get the that footage of part seven that was apparently trashed, if, even if it has the time codes on it, the tracking's bad, I don't care. If you want a VHS copy yeah. of the movie, you said. Right. I, wanna, I want that footage because I want to edit a full uncut version of seven. If there was enough of that footage that was saved on VHS, yeah. I want to, I want to put that out there. Maybe something else. Well, yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do my Jason X made from other movies. I'm going to write that script for the, the movie with my, uh, my six top favorites yeah. from the series. A lot of stuff came yeah. out of this. So stay tuned. <laughs> I'm going to make a spinoff of the bear at some point. <laughs> yes. Which will be better than the movie, the bear. Right. Um, and, you know, there'll be many other entries here for Last Theater on the Left. Absolutely. But as a teaser for the next big to-do, Spring Break in Springwood is coming <laughs> up. So stay tuned in 2018 for that. If nothing else, see if Freddy vs. Jason ends up higher on that list. Because mm-hmm. as we talked about, kind of works as a nightmare movie more than it does a Friday movie. Yeah. Yes, indeed. But until then, stay tuned on cnjradio.com. For future episodes of Last Theater on the Left, so make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Never miss one episode. Give us a nice little rating and review on iTunes as well. In addition to that, 
Stick around for Rock Strikes 10, my weekly rock and roll show. I'm still pretty weekly. you know. <laughs> Average weekly, yeah. Yeah, if I ever do miss a week, I usually make up for it and do a exactly. bonus one the next week. So it's all good. A weekly list rock episode, it's always different. So if you listen to one and you don't like it, you actually might like the next one. And I mean that. <laughs> so also on cnjradio.com, the Synaptic Empire podcast featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative. Anything from Dwight Yoakam to Slayer, he will play. <laughs> On the same episode? Yeah, I, I've heard it, yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. I, I produced that show, but even if I didn't, I'd still listen to it. It's a, it's a great alternative. Also, Chris does written reviews for Last Theater on the left, so check out cnjradio.com for that. In addition to the Wrestling House show with a lot of podcasts coming soon, we're rebranding the whole thing. It's going to be excellent. So a lot of surprises coming up and just all the fun on cnjradio.com, all things rock and culture. Absolutely. This is the end of this series. You won't be getting daily episodes of The Last Theater on the Left because I'm, I'm tired after this. <laughs> I've enjoyed every bit of this, every Me moment too, of this. Me too, man. This is a good reconnecting. You've been yeah. you've been in Japan for a few years. Yeah, yeah. So this is a nice getting to know you again. Right. This is, if anything... I accomplished that. So, <laughs> I'm glad you got something out of yeah, it. Yeah, I did. I did too. And yeah, it's fun. But like like you said, there will be regular episodes of The Last Theater on the left from now on, from here on out. So please subscribe on iTunes. Check out the website. Not sure what we're going to do next, but we may do may pick some Japanese horror maybe since you Ooh, mentioned that. Think about right, that. There's some, right. there's some stuff I want to see. I don't know. It'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise for you. It'll be a surprise for you, the listener of The Last Theater on the left. Thank you for tuning in to all 13 episodes. If you did especially, I'll, I'll shake your hand and give you a big hug if I ever meet you in person. I will, too. I may not give you a hug, but I'll, I'll say hi. We can talk about the movies. Yeah, yeah. if you think that, if you have any opinions on anything we said, do you love Jason Goes to Hell? I would love to debate you about it, because I have very <laughs> passionate feelings about that movie. And do you have a Skype connection? Right. <laughs> but yeah. Only at Chris's house. Though. Right. So yeah, get in contact with us. See you next time. Bye. His name was Jason. Maybe people were easier to scare back then. Oh, yeah. Like when you look at Friday the 13th Part 1. It's pretty tame by today's standards. Do you want to see my new chainsaw and huggy mask? Ah! Oh, sorry. What am I thinking?